Welcome to the Student Ministry Podcast. My name is Steve Cullum, and I'm so excited for you to join us today for another episode. This is episode 29 of the Student Ministry Podcast, and today we're interviewing one of my friends, Andrew Larson, who is actually not in student ministry anymore. He recently, about a year ago, made the transition out of student ministry, and he's now the lead pastor of Safety Harbor Community Church in Safety Harbor, Florida. Spent many years in student ministry, but uh, just kind of made that transition following God's calling. And we're going to get to talk about that today, because I know a lot of you have been thinking about that. Uh, it's often the question of, hey, when are you going to be a real pastor um, sort of thing? And, and most of you in student ministry are like, what are you talking about? I'm already a real pastor. Uh, what do you mean? But some of you do have hopes and dreams or maybe a feel a calling from God to eventually uh, move out of student ministry and be in that lead role or maybe in campus ministry or another uh, role within the church other than student ministry. Or maybe it's even like a family pastor or something. And so we're going to talk a lot about transitions with Andrew today. But before we do that, I want to just thank our sponsors because they're awesome and uh, we're so grateful that they just continuing, uh, they continue to give for this this podcast to, to make it happen. So first of all, WorkCamp NE, their website, W-O-R-K-C-A-M-P-N-E.com. If you're looking for a summer trip for your students, service-based mission trip in the United States, make sure you check out their website. They're going to be not only in Northeast. Normally, they do focus in the Northeast. But the last last year and this year, they're actually heading to Illinois as well. So maybe you're in the Midwest, and maybe a trip to Illinois would be a whole lot closer and, and more affordable for your students than taking them all the way to New England. So make sure you check them out. And here's the deal. They also do private trips. So maybe you can't make one of these trips work out, but you say, you know, I would really love to have a service-based trip for my students. It's really hard to, to put all the details together yourself and everything. They've done this before and they'll do it again. Just contact them and say, hey, I want to do a private trip. Can you, can you contact me? Let's work this out. And, uh, and maybe they'll, they'll come to your community. Maybe you know, try another community that you really, you, you really want to reach or something like that. So just make sure you contact them if you're looking for that sort of a tri- trip and, uh, and just show them some love because they are, are so just generous and, and sponsoring this podcast. Our second sponsor is a combination sponsor between the National Network of Youth Ministries at youthworkers.net and Reach Youth New England at reachyouthne.com. Both of these organizations are all about connecting youth workers together. So maybe you've been trying to do youth ministry all on your own and... You know, you're trying to find out, like, how do I do all this? And and maybe you're just feeling, like, so alone and and you wish there there are other people around you. I I guarantee there probably are. You just don't know about it. And both of these organizations and their websites especially are designed to put you in contact with other youth workers in your area. And maybe they're not listed on there. That, That sometimes happens. Contact your state or region or whatever director for the national network and they'll start to help you like find other youth workers in your area because that's what we need to be doing we need to be networking together and uh i'm just so grateful for what they do but also for what how they you know sponsor the the podcast each month so make sure you show them some love and but beyond that, just make sure you connect with some other youth workers in your area because you're going to be better together. That's what it's all about. So 
Thanks to WorkCamp NE, thanks to the National Network of Youth Ministries, and thanks to Reach Youth New England for sponsoring this episode of the Student Ministry Podcast. Now, let's get into this conversation with Andrew Larson. All right. Hey, Andrew. Thanks for joining us today. Well, good afternoon. <laughs> so I uh, have the privilege of, of getting to know you over the last couple of years through DYM and some other ways. Uh, been watching and listening to your your Facebook live show and your podcast uh, for a little bit. Um, but for those of our, our listeners that don't really know much about uh, Andrew Larson, tell us a little about yourself and feel free to dive into your story of you know how God got you, brought you to the person uh, you are today and, and the place in ministry you are today. Well, uh, I am Andrew Larson. I was born on a cloudy Wednesday in 1982. Um, I remember fast- it well. Yes. <laughs> It was very dark, and then all of a sudden it wasn't. Uh, I have, I was in student ministry for about 15 years, and really, you know, I, I grew up in a ministry household, but not a pastor's household. My dad would kind of bounce around from little Christian school and financial trouble to little Christian school and financial trouble, and typically they were all run by a church somewhere, so he would go and fire the people that the pastor was afraid to fire and get the school healthy and then move on to the next one. And then when I was eight, um, my family moved to Safety Harbor, Florida, which is where I am sitting right now. And my dad took a position at a little Bible college called Clearwater Christian College, where he was um, a dean and a faculty member there. And so I've been around ministry my whole life, but never, never had a family member on church staff and just kind of resented the idea that I would ever do vocational ministry as a living because I saw what kind of car my dad drove and (laughs) I didn't want to drive one of those cars. I wanted to, you know, have something that had all the features working at the same time. And, um, so I went through high school as kind of like the nominally involved token, good Christian kid. And, uh, about my sophomore year of high school, I had two senior guys, that I went to a little Christian school and one guy was the captain of the soccer team that I played on. And the other guy was part of my youth group. And they basically cornered me one day and just said, look, we've been thinking and praying about you. And we think you're a joke. I was like, oh, thanks. <laughs> thanks guys. Their names are Tim and Will and they're awesome. And they're different parts of the country and both in ministry. But they, um, they basically called me out for, saying I believed one thing, but never having the courage to actually live it out. And it was just such a monumental game changer for me in that. And so towards the second half of high school, I started to take my faith a little bit more seriously and started serving in our church wherever I could. And then um, as every 16 or 17 year old, I had this girlfriend, which was never a good idea. (laughs) And as I went on to my freshman year of college at the same Bible college that my dad worked at. I was just hated the fact that I was going to school there. I was playing soccer and, uh, was desperate to get a full ride from anywhere, but the place that I was going for free already because I just didn't want to be there. And this, the girl that I dated for several years in high school, she and I were in the process of doing that long distance breakup thing that takes six months and is just miserable. (laughs) And she told me, you know, Andrew, why, why are you fighting this? Like, we know it's going to happen. And I was like, listen, I just, 
I know that if we break up, I'm going to end up some lame youth pastor married to a teacher, and I just don't <laughs> want that for my life. And so, of course, we broke up like two weeks later and went through a semester of just debauchery and misery. And uh, there was this church camp that I had worked at when I was in high school that asked me to come back and just work one week at this middle school camp. And that was the summer of 2002. And so I was a camp counselor with a bunch of middle school boys. And we played this game at camp that was the Leaning Tower of Pizza. Mm -hmm. You know, the the 66 pizza boxes with the books of the Bible on them. And my middle school boys had to somehow get the books of the Bible in order. And I was just dumbfounded that it was taking these kids a half an hour to get the books of the Bible in order. And there was the kid in the corner cheating, opening the, (laughs) you know, hardback Bible that was there in the pews at the camp. And I had been going to the church that had invited me to this camp a little bit. And I just knew that there was just this fervency in worship. And there was just the sincerity and the faith of a lot of the kids in that youth group. But I grew up in a very fundamentalist church culture where there wasn't a lot of a fervency anywhere, but we knew doctrine and it was sound doctrine and it was right doctrine. And this like audible voice in my head said, if you could combine these two, you would be onto something. And so I remember sitting in the chapel at Lake Aurora Christian camp as I was putting in my week of serving Jesus time so I could check it off my box for the summer mm-hmm. where God just really got a hold of me. And I was like, Oh, okay. This is what God wants me to be doing. And so, um, it, so happens that I met my wife that same week of camp. She was not a camper because that would be creepy, but <laughs> she was she was also working at the same middle school camp. And uh, that semester, the next semester, I returned back to the Christian college and declared a Bible major and <laughs> went forward from there. Nice, nice. Is your uh, is your wife a teacher? Uh, she well right now she's <laughs> at home because okay. we we had four boys in six years. As soon as someone tells me why that happened, I'll cut it out of my life. I promise. <laughs> but uh, my wife was a teacher. Yeah. Nice. So so, so that, yes, I I was that lame youth pastor <laughs> married to a lame teacher, right. and I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. Awesome. It's just so funny because the thing that I was terrified of yeah. is exactly what I was four years later. That's funny. My, my wife only actually, by the grace of God. Right. My wife actually was, had said that she would marry anybody but a youth minister. And uh, <laughs> so, you know, God's sense of humor is my gain. So <laughs> we, we, ju- we should just never talk because <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She, she was funny because she said that the, uh, because <laughs> she thought that we were all immature, you know, and because the stereotypically, you know, youth ministers are. And uh, the first time she met me, I was we were playing like assassin with the high school students and we were using <laughs> Nerf guns and I got shot in the middle of the church and I just like flopped around on the ground and like totally proved her point in that moment. <laughs> yeah, they're usually right about us. Yeah. It's funny how that happens. It's true. <laughs> So, so you mentioned, you know, you're no longer in youth ministry, you kind of made that transition last year. So, um, yeah. typically at this point, we kind of jump into what your ministry looks like when I'm talking to other student ministers, but let's, let's talk a little bit about senior ministry now that that's your, your new role and how that all transpired to, to get you to that point and to finally, you know, give up that lame youth minister role and, and step into, into senior ministry. <laughs> Let me tell you how much lamer being a senior <laughs> pastor is. It's re, it is ridiculous. But um, yeah, it's 
11 months. So yeah, next month will be the year mark that I've been here. And I'm at a church in the town that I grew up in. Uh, and it's a, it's a little church that was in kind of desperate need of revitalization and, and out of desperation, they, they called me, <laughs> but, um, the, yeah, I, after Bible college, I spent a couple of years working at a pretty big church of a couple thousand people. And then I left there to go to seminary and I moved to Texas for four and a half years to go to, to, uh, go to Dallas seminary. And then we had one kid while we were out there and found out that another kid was coming. And so we moved back home. And while I was out in Texas, I interned at a super giant mega church and then took a full-time position at another church of a couple thousand people. And my, when I was finishing seminary, I was like, man, I know what my resume looks like. And it's going to, I'm going to become that youth pastor, celebrity camp speaker (laughs) in, in no time. And my phone was kind of ringing off the hook for a couple of months. And then, again, by the grace of God, it just stopped. Hmm. And so we had sold our house in Texas. I had resigned my position at the church we were out out there. And we were moving home, and I didn't have a job. And a church in 2011 um, was really interested in me. And I thought, oh, this is this is not a cool church. They've got stained glass <laughs> windows, and, you know, they're they're – membership is not even a thousand people, let alone several. And, um, and I ended up at this regular, you know, it was still a good sized church, but I was the only person on the youth ministry staff for the first time in my life. And, um, then after a few years, one of the associate pastors left and they asked me to step into that role. So I was the youth pastor and the associate pastor. And Mm -hmm. then our senior pastor had some health concerns and, uh, he got, he he was not able to preach as regularly as he wanted to. So now I'm the youth pastor, but I'm preaching twice a month. Hmm. And um, then when it came time for him to retire, I just kind of knew that it would be unhealthy for me to stick around to that church. Hmm. Our denomination had rules against the associate pastor becoming the senior pastor. And so I didn't think it would be right for me to preach 30 out of 40 Sundays and then sit in the front pew when the new guy got there. Cause I just didn't think that would set him up to win. And it would set, it, it would set us up as, you know, I don't know, competition. And mm-hmm. I didn't want that for the church and I didn't want that for me. And, and on top of that, I didn't want to be the senior pastor of that church. Mm-hmm. And so we quietly started to kind of look around and, um, the senior pastor that I worked for had been at our church for 25 years. Oh, okay. And the pastor that was, the the founding pastor of the church that was there before him was there for 30 years. So in now our church is 57, 58, that church was 57, 58 years old and is on its third pastor ever. Wow. And I just thought, you know, this is, that's awesome to have that kind of longevity and to be someplace for that time. And so when we started to pray about what God had next, the prayer was God, you know, whatever it may be, I want the possibility of a 30 year job. I just turned 35 um, in the fall. And the prayer was, you know, God, I don't, I know that there's no job that you can take and say, I'm going to be here for 30 years, but I want to step into the job knowing that there's a possibility that I could be there forever. Mm. And so by my estimation, the way that that worked was, you know, some pretty big churches that would want someone to oversee their youth ministry on a long term mm-hmm. basis, or, um, possibly a smaller church that was looking for a first-time senior pastor that could grow the church. And um, 
and really the, there was only one church that called me to even inquire about me being the senior pastor. And there were several other churches that were, you know, several thousand people that had youth ministry staffs of five or eight that wanted a guy who was a decade plus into youth ministry and had mm-hmm. some experience that could lead the younger staff. And my wife and I were talking and praying and she just said to me, you know, Andrew, I don't think I want to move. Mm. And we're, we are in a house that my wife's grandparents built in the 1950s. And so we've got, we're raising our kids. Um, they're swimming in the pool that their great grandfather and grandfather <laughs> dug together. Wow. Um, you know, and it's a, so my wife said, I don't really want to move. And that was probably in March of last year. And about that same time that I was like, okay, well, these mega churches that we're talking to are not in the area. Um, about that time, Barna came out with a new study, as they do every couple months, mm-hmm. and this one was on, uh, I believe the, the name of the study was The Aging Senior Pastorate in America, hmm. and it was just some really hard-hitting facts about what most churches have as their senior pastor in the United States, and the one that just kind of stung me was that there are more senior pastors that are older than 65 in the United States right now, then there are senior pastors that are under the age of 40. And the, you know, the kind of the editorial part of the survey that Barna did was saying, we've got so many young people that want to be at big churches playing a specific niche role in those big churches, which is wonderful. And there's a need for that, but there's also a need for competent young people or younger people mm-hmm. to step into senior leadership positions at churches that aren't sexy and aren't cool. And so the Holy Spirit speaking through that and the wisdom of my wife mm-hmm. um, said, okay, maybe this is it. And then once we started to get serious in conversations with this church, we kind of hit pause on the other churches and it just was an immediate fit from culture. And again, it's in the town that I grew up in and, and the the vision of what the church thinks it can become was just wonderful. So we were on board with that right away. And so that's how I ended up as the lead pastor here at Safety Harbor Community Church, despite still being incredibly immature and flopping around <laughs> on the floor every chance that I get and laughing at fart jokes at very inopportune times. Right. <laughs> what is the, what's the like general makeup of your church? Are they pretty like, uh, age range? Are they, is it pretty wide or is it you well, older or younger? Like, I am, I'm in Florida. And right. so <laughs> right. <laughs> older for a Florida church is not the same as older anywhere else. <laughs> That's true. I remember visiting a church in Ohio and they had, you know, their their teenagers ministry, which was like the youth group for people 55 and older. And okay. when we get a 55-year-old showing up at the church, we're like, "Woo! We we got a we got a whippersnapper. This is nice. this is great." You know, it's it's Florida. So yeah. <laughs> you know, it's and it's changing. There are more people that are from here now than have ever been from Florida ever because typically people just move here when they're done. But uh, so the, you know, our our sound guy is, I think, 93 or 94. Wow. Uh, he's he's awesome. <laughs> His name still is, here? Uh, yeah. He, he like wears giant studio headphones <laughs> when he's mixing the board. Um, but 
he's, you know, he's old. Um, <laughs> so yeah, there's, there's a lot of older people, but at the same time, there's a lot of kids as well. You know, we're, I think we had 11 kids on Sunday morning that were third grade or younger, which, you know, we're a church. If we hit 60, it's a, it's a good Sunday. Um, so, you know, it's, it's a very new kind of thing in a lot of ways. It's kind of like a church plant because there, there had been, it was, they approached it as a revitalization. When I got Mm -hmm. here, it was, we're either going to close the doors or bring you in. Wow. So it's, uh, yeah, it's been, it's been an interesting year. It's been a good year. Um, you know, the, the church has grown and the membership has grown, but we're still, we're still not a big church and it's still, how do you reach out to young families without turning your back on the people that bought the building and have paid the bills for the years that the church has existed. And so part of what I wrestle with right now is yes, we need to honor the legacy of what this church was and where it came from. But we also need to reach out to the generation behind them and the generation behind that, because if we don't, we'll be honoring something that is not going to exist anymore. Yeah. And so how do we get older people to buy into reaching out to young families? Because you're not going to grow a church without reaching out to young families. Yeah, that's true. Wow. That's so interesting. I'm assuming you're probably the only pastor on staff there then? Yes. we. There's the the paid staff is I'm the only full-time employee. We have a ministry facilitator who's a lady in her 70s that basically when the church was without a pastor for a couple years, kind of kept the lights on and kept things afloat and you know brought in pulpit fill and paid the bills and did whatever needed to be done to keep the church alive. Mm. And then we have a part-time secretary and a part-time worship leader. Okay. Oh, and then my wife is the children's ministry director and nice so her salary essentially pays for starbucks it's <laughs> it's it's, re- it's really nice uh so so you get to still i'm assuming still you know play a ha- have a role in children's and student ministry yeah. a little bit yeah i get to kind of be a part of whatever i want to be a part of which is nice and it's a small enough church that i can take monday mornings to to work on download youth ministry stuff or I can, I can go to a conference and I can, you know, do some speaking when it comes, you know, I can go speak at a camp or whatever it may be in the youth ministry field still without feeling like I'm really taking away a whole lot from the church. And I think they're, they're actually really excited when I get to go do that as well, because they, it seeks to prove that, you know, we're not forgetting about young people. We just need to get them to show up. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. And so uh, I, I know it seems like from, from your story a little bit that, you know, even calling into youth ministry was kind of not what you'd planned. And probably I, would you go as far as say as even calling into senior ministry is not necessarily was a part of your plan either. Um, but, but for youth ministers out there that, you know, we hear a lot of times it's still at, not as much as it once was, but kind of still is a little bit that youth ministry is sometimes seen as a stepping stone on the way to mm-hmm. senior ministry or something else. Um, do you have any responses to that now that you've went through that? It wasn't your plan to do that, but that's that's the, the direction that God has taken you. I would say that no ministry should ever be a stepping stone to something else. Mm. 
but at the same time, the 22-year-old who's just getting out of Bible college, who's working in the cubicle as the, you know, where, where, whatever that, that guy's doing, they're not planning on being there for forever either. Mm-hmm. So the only way that a ministry is not a stepping stone is if it just grows and grows and grows and grows and grows, which is, I think, the goal for every ministry. Everybody wants the ministry that they're a part of to become healthier and become bigger and reach more people with the gospel. But um, I never once thought that I'll be a youth pastor until I'm in my mid thirties and then go be the senior pastor. If anything, it was, you know, I'll go be an academic. I never expected this to happen, but when, when there's a calling and when God is saying, you know, you need to, this is something that I have for you, then, then you say, okay. And you do what God says. Right. (laughs) Or he throws you in the fish. Yes, I've read that somewhere. <laughs> Some somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Uh, cool. So it's been, it's been great. I'm sure there's tons of wisdom, tons of things that you picked up along the years, both in youth ministry and now in this transition. Uh, so my last question for you is: what are what are a couple things that you've picked up along the way? Things that bits of wisdom that you'd like to share with with our listeners today? Maybe if you could even go back in time ten years ago and, and tell Andrew of you know earlier in your ministry, what what some things that would have would benefit you or and uh, benefit our listeners. I I would say I wish that the 25-year-old Andrew understood that bigger does not mean better. Mm. And you know, you're you're at a really big church and I'm at a really small church. Mm-hmm. And I've worked at really really big churches and churches grow by the grace of God. It's not some magical formula and it's not that one pastor is more holy than the other and one, you know, some of the best preachers I've ever heard were preaching to a hundred people, and some of the shallowest messages I've ever heard have been in front of fourteen or fifteen thousand people. So, size does not equate health, and of course, we know that and we say that, but we all still think, oh, yeah. I want to be, you know, at at the big place. And now, having you know, having worked at some of those churches. I, I just thank God that I'm where I'm at, you know, where I can, where when my kid has an appointment, I can say, hey, honey, bring the kids by the office for four hours. I'm good. Or, you know what, I'm going to take off and I'm going to work from home or just the freedom and the flexibility that I have in the small church that coming out of seminary, I would have thought, oh, I can't believe somebody would insult me by offering me a position at this church of less than 100 people when mm-hmm. The fact of the matter is, is the the little church takes such good care of me and my family and cares so deeply about me and my family that I didn't experience when I was at some of the bigger churches that I've worked at. Um, but with that, when you're at a little church, there's such a tendency to just be you alone in your office and that's it. And I would say the biggest takeaway that I've had in the past 10 years of my life is to not do ministry alone. Mm. You know, I coming out of the first five or six years of full-time ministry, I was always on a staff of other youth pastors. There was always at least a couple of us working together. And then I got to a church where it was just me by myself. And through God's sovereignty, me and my buddy Tim Miller got put together because neither of us could afford a room by ourselves at the National Youth Workers Convention one year. And that has been one of the greatest gifts in my life. Uh, you know, having a partner in ministry who is at another church that, you know, is 
was about an hour away. Now he's about 20 minutes away since I've moved churches, but he's at a different church. And so our people don't necessarily know us or his people don't know me and vice versa. Mm -hmm. But to have someone that you're collaborating with in ministry, someone that you can say, hey, I've got this situation. What do you think? Or do you think this illustration works or whatever it may be? Having a partner in ministry is the greatest gift that I've gotten in ministry. That's huge, man. I wish I would have known that as well. Cause like I, after coming out of Bible college, I was at a church doing a residency where I was working with another youth pastor. It was my mentor and I loved collaborating with him. And then I got, you know, to my own ministry and I was the only guy for a long time. And uh, it wasn't until the end of my 10 years at that church when I finally wrapped my head around the fact that I could collaborate with someone from another church. That's okay. Um, yeah, yeah, like it's not a contest. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, it's it's not a contest to collaborate and it's not weakness to collaborate. You know, the the president writes his speeches with other people. Right. So, you know, yeah. why why on earth would we think that we have to, to do it? I think it's like the Batman concept yeah. because like when you're coming up working underneath somebody else, you're like, well, I'm sick of being Robin, so I'm going to go ahead and be Batman. Mm. But Batman still had Robin. Right. And Alf and Alfred, and Alfred, yeah, and Commissioner Gordon, <laughs> and I'm a nerd, <laughs> and he he wouldn't have been nearly as good as that. Him, so yeah. yeah, yeah, this is very true. So yeah. it's okay if you're the main guy or the main girl to go out and get help from somebody else. And man, my my ministry is richer, my wins are better, my losses are easier, and it's ministry is just sweeter with somebody else on your team. That's that's so true. And, and so are you seeing that within your senior ministry now? Is that um, you know, partnership you're to make? Well, so Tim, um, and we'll talk about him in a little bit when we mm-hmm. kind of plug some of, some of our stuff, but Tim is at a church that's in the same denomination that my church is in, and his senior pastor was instrumental in getting me here mm. uh, to the church that I'm in. And so he is a youth guy, you know, he's the next-gen pastor at his church, and I'm the the only pastor on staff at our church, but we still get to collaborate. And, you know, I'm helping him with his mother's day cause he preaches about once a month or so in, in their main service. And so he's preaching on Sunday. So I'm helping him with his mother's day message. And he was over here the other day, helping me with something that I'm working on. And, and yeah, it just, it lightens the load and makes life better when you have someone to complain to or someone to celebrate with. That's, that's so true. I've, I've, my life is so, so very much been rich, enriched by uh, the com- the conversations I've been able to have, even through this podcast or through you know relationships with other youth workers in my area. Um, I think that's it's also something that you mentioned. You know, I think just a second ago about how you know coming into ministry young, you want to be that person that can do it all, but. I think sometimes we even have that that thought that if we if we rely upon others, we might be letting people down, uh, or yeah. you know some like our leadership may look down upon us or something. And and actually, I had a couple of our elders who have told me recently, um, which I'm so grateful for that they they spoke some wisdom and some truth and encouragement into me and say, you know, we we want you to rely upon others. We want you to empower others. We want you to connect with others and bring other people alongside you. We won't look down upon you if we think you're doing less work. We th- will think that's actually a good move because you're yeah. relying on the resources that God has given you. Yeah. Why, you know, 
why work harder when you can work smarter right and and why why do things that you're not good at when you can get better at the things that you're already good at and have somebody else do it you know it's and that's just kind of part of the kingdom of god you know it's not everybody's a hand not everybody's a foot not everybody's a mouth but you need each other and when you try to be all things yep. you you know you can do a b minus or a c minus effort or you can get everybody to give their a plus effort and and on top of that when you do things that you're good at it doesn't feel like work yeah you know the the hardest part of my week is turning in receipts oh. and you know <laughs> doing the admin stuff that I don't like doing right some some weirdos like that kind of stuff so my goodness <laughs> empower volunteers you know empower somebody on your staff or if you don't have a staff go out and find a friend mm-hmm. you know someone that's in town or maybe is in the next town over and say hey let's do this together that's cool so cool yeah well, Andrew, it's been great to talk with you. I'm sure our listeners are going to want to uh, find out more from you and, and hear more from you. Where are the best places to go? I know you mentioned uh, your M- Mother's Day, your message. I'm actually going to be using your DYM Mother's Day uh, message this weekend. I so, love it. So thank you in advance for that. Because um, this is my first uh, at my other churches. Um, I've never, we've always had youth group like off of Sunday morning. And yeah. so we just canceled on Mother's Day. But at this one, we have middle school on Sunday morning. And so I felt weird about canceling. Canceling it, and so this would be my first time doing anything ever Mother's doing Day a Mother's related. Day. So I was like, yeah. I'm going to rely upon Andrew Larson's message about this. <laughs> uh, um, I, I'm pretty easy to get a hold of. I'm Andrew Larson on Twitter. That's L A R S E N because my parents or my grandparents couldn't spell. Um, <laughs> and then on Instagram, I'm Andrew J Larson. There's another Andrew Larson, and he's got like sweet flowing hair, and he's a dude that has makeup on in his profile picture and I've offered to buy his handle from him for $5 and he never replied to my DM. So I'm Andrew Larson or Andrew J. Larson. And then, um, you know, like I talked about my, my best friend in ministry, Tim, he and I do a Facebook live show every Monday morning. It's called the morning after ministry. And that same show, we take the audio from it and send it over to the computers at download youth ministry. And it's part of the DYM podcast network as well. So Monday afternoons, that's usually up on iTunes and Stitcher and everywhere else. And then Monday mornings at 11, we've got our goofy show with us talking about what we did in ministry the past week. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, this last week was one of the first times I was able to uh, tune in the whole time live. Uh, we finally shifted some meetings around, and I now have Monday morning available. And uh, so it's nice. I grabbed my coffee, and I sat back with you guys and kind of welcomed in the day with, with you and Tim. So it was great. It's, it's a lot of fun. That's cool. Well, thanks again so much for uh, for all you do in ministry and, and what you're going to do there in, in your church now as a senior minister. And uh, thanks for joining us today. Steve, it's my pleasure. Well, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Andrew. I know I did. It was great to talk about this transition from student ministry into this this lead minister role and what that was all about and how he just felt like God was calling him to do that, and and maybe God's calling you to do that, or maybe you know someone else, and or maybe you're just trying to figure this whole thing out. I hope this whole conversation was an encouragement to you as as you kind of navigate those waters and trying to figure out where God is leading you next, and uh, maybe He's just leading you to stay exactly where you are. Um, but hopefully, this conversation with Andrew was not only enjoyable but also encouraging for you today. And make sure you do follow him and check out him and Tim's podcast. Um, 
Um, a great show, and especially if you can catch it live on Facebook on Monday mornings, make sure you do so. Also, if you are new to the podcast and you have not followed us or subscribed, make sure you do that. We're on pretty much every podcast out, app out there now, and so uh, make sure you subscribe and leave a positive comment if you like what you hear leave a comment, but also share it with other people. That's how we get recognized and and people hear these stories because you share them. So thank you so much for doing all that and uh, just helping us get the word out there. And if you have not followed us on social media, make sure you do that as well. We're on uh, Twitter at StuMinPod, that's S-T-U-M-I-N-P-O-D. And uh, we're on Facebook at the Student Ministry Podcast, so you can just search that. And uh, that'd be great to just follow us on there and you know, if you like something, you know, let us know. If you think, you know, I should get, you know, so and so on the podcast, make sure you drop us a line and say, hey, man, there's an awesome student ministry worker out there that I think you really need to get on the podcast. Let us know. I would love to get those uh, those people interviewed and uh, help the world hear their stories because there's some awesome, amazing stories out there, and uh, I want to I want to hear them and I want to share them with you. So make sure you do let us know. And also, if you have not checked out the sponsors' websites, make sure you do that as well. First of all, WorkCampNE. Their website is W-O-R-K-C-A-M-P-N-E.com. You check out that. Um, You can also check out the National Network of Youth Ministries website at youthworkers.net. And you can also check out Reach Youth New England at reachyouthne.com. All of them are so awesome, and make sure that you just go and check out their website. Just just spend five minutes. You know what? That's that'd be awesome if you just go and, and check it out for five minutes, and and maybe I think you maybe get pulled in, and you, you actually spend a little more time on there than just five minutes. But just go check it out and uh, and let them know what you think. And if you're interested in you know networking or or checking out a, a possible um, student mission trip for your students. Those are the websites to go to, and uh, and just thank them by by showing them some love by checking out their websites. Um, so, thanks again for tuning in to today's student ministry podcast. We'll be back again next month with another interview. Until then, have a great day, have a great month, and may God bless your ministry. <laughs> <laughs>